Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. Tigers and bears. Oh my. What kind of fucking geographical location is Oz? Like, where in the world could you see a lion, a tiger, and a bear at the same time? It, it, uh, Roman Coliseum. Roman, I mean, I guess that's the only place you could see it other than in, like, a zoo or something. It's, it's just, it makes no sense. Like, it, would that mean that it has to be temperate, desert, and, like, cold all at the same time? Like, like, where would you see all of those in the same geographical location? Like, that's terrifying. I don't know if I want to live in a place that is all of those at the same time. Can it be all of those at the same time? I don't know. It's odds, I guess. I mean, do they need to be the conventional types of those things? Because you could have, like, a tropical bear, maybe. I'm pretty sure there's a type of tropical bear. Or you could have, like, a saber-toothed tiger. So you could have a bear that lives in, like, a you know, like a like a European temperate kind of climate. Maybe, like, a mm -hmm. North American temperate type climate. You have a saber-toothed tiger, which can maybe also live in the temperate climate. Uh, for the lion uh maybe a mountain lion i guess so but like when you say all of those animals you think of like the stereotypical ones and it's like none of them even live near each other what about uh snoop lion uh tony the tiger and the chicago bears that sounds like a really bad snl sketch waiting to happen uh, uh yeah yeah you could say that about pretty much any random thing though that is true before we get too off topic welcome to for your information season two baby new year who dis new decade who dis new podcast who dis new pants who dis hmm? uh, um did you buy new pants I actually got two new pairs of... No, three. Three new pairs of pants. Look at you, Mr. Fucking Moneymaker. Honestly, uh, I, I've never been more excited to receive pants, and that's how I know that I'm slowly declining into uh, adulthood. Like, real, real adulthood. Like, the thick of adulthood. You've always been an adult. Like, you've, like you were always the most grown-up out of all of us. I mean, yeah, but it was never until now that I was like, hell yeah, pants. Like, this is this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, like, uh, I think mom, my mom got me some underwear in my stocking for Christmas, and I was so excited. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah. cool, now I don't have to buy this. I get the Christmas underwear thing now, you know? They can get you some nice pairs of underwear, and you're like, I would never pamper myself with nice underwear, but it's so worth it because I value that now. Think about it. You spend a lot of time wearing underwear, I guess depends on who you are but most people do spend a lot of time wearing underwear you may as well invest in the things you use most often exactly like you wear under well most of the time you wear underwear every day unless you're just behind on laundry and then you just kind of commando it until you can get to Walmart and get more underwear and then you put it on in the car like a fucking weirdo and then you drive off and go to work or you live in Fort Lauderdale Florida and your lawn is way too manicured for you to have a real job and you just grill on your back porch and you're either wearing your bathing trunks or you're not wearing anything but croc sandals and uh you're living that margaritaville lifestyle baby you thought that i was gonna leave that in 2019 you were fucking wrong i i wish you would have left it in 1975 where margaritaville belongs 
I just want a grill for God's sake. I I mean, I guess you could in California. Is it cold there right now? Because it's currently snowing here in Pennsylvania. Ah, uh, yeah, no, it's like uh, 45 at the lowest. Oh, okay. I mean, that's not bad. 45 is pretty good. Like, that's still like, if you wanted to wear shorts, you could. Like, it's uh, not It frosted it's not on cold. my car. Yeah, it frosted on my car a total of three times since the winter started. Oh, Jesus. I wish that was me because every morning, and it, it's my fault for sure, because I forget every morning that I have to defrost my entire window, or my whole right. car, really, and I still get mad about it every morning. Like, oh, man, I shouldn't have slept in. Every morning. I do this every morning, and I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm not a real adult. Oh, uh, you just got to get more excited about the pants. You got to make it a reality. Oh, okay, so... So maybe if I just buy myself a new pair of pants, I'll have like that uh, first day of school swag. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. That's what all of the, uh, like, the Macy's commercials would have you believe, is that that's the way to do it. How to get back to school swag is buying new pants. Exactly. Like, you gotta buy new pants, you gotta get a new backpack. Uh, what backpack should I get this year? Uh, what are the kids into? Uh, Roblox? Roblox and, uh, PCP and, uh, um, oh, PCP's neo Nazism. <laughs> uh, sure. What? It never left. It never left. It never left. PCP was always there. Um, uh, what else do they do? Uh, Antifa? Antifa. <laughs> um, FAFSA? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, they, it's just a backpack with the print of FAFSA document. <laughs> Guess who renewed their FAFSA for the eighth year you, in a row? I was gonna say, finally fucking did it. You waited till the last second because you're a big piece of shit like me. And then you're oh, like, dude. oh, I don't want to do this. And then everybody complains about it. They don't have any money and they didn't even do the FAFSA. Exactly. It's like, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? Um, I don't know, because you forced me to go to college pretty much at gunpoint. Like, do you remember in like school they would be like if you don't go to college you will work at mcdonald's like they like they just didn't want us to know that like plumbing or um like woodworking existed it was fucked up oh you don't want to join a masonry guild and then you look (laughs) around you're like oh you know what actually uh people in construction make pretty fucking good money and uh i am a hundred thousand dollars in debt with no prospects exactly and you know but and in both of our cases we didn't even finish school so it's like wow i wasted money Hey man, had my ear to the floor. I knew the end was coming, uh, so I jumped ship <laughs> while I could. And uh, you know what? It could have gone worse. It could have gone worse for me. Um, how do you think they do that in Oz? How 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 they go to school? Yeah, like what kind of government do they have? Well, given like the specific, like if we're just talking about in this movie, because I'm sure they 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 have some sort of thing where they explain the government and like maybe some of the further books in the series, like the Ozmerillion. Yeah, I is that is that a real one? I don't know. No, absolutely not. I I just made that up. It's like a it's like a play on a Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, okay, yeah, because there is like 34 books, and I don't remember all the titles right now. Oh, God. What, uh, what the munchkins have like a fascist italian dictatorship for sure do they i i'm positive that they do and that one munchkin that was hanging in the background was the equivalent of their benito mussolini jesus christ um i mean as far as government goes i think the wizard controls all of it uh, I mean, is he really in control, though, or is he, like, a shadow go- government, you know, shady-type figure? Like, who's pulling the strings here? Is it the man behind the curtain, or who's pulling the strings of the man behind the curtain behind their own curtain? You know what I'm saying? Who Where's the deep the state of Oz? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so many questions we have to ask about Oz in order to truly understand the context of the happenings in the movie, The Wizard of Oz. Exactly. Is it like Narnia, where it's like, there is no ruler of the land, and that's what they're fighting about. But there's no... That's- 
anarchy. There's, there's no fighting going on in Oz. Uh, I mean, the Scarecrow carries a gun around with him. <laughs> that so... is true. At the end of the movie, the Scarecrow does have a gun, and I'm just like, how did they not win faster? I was gonna say, he's the only one with a gun. He's got that motherfucking thing on him. He got that motherfucking thing on him, and he doesn't use, like, I don't, does he ever fire it? I don't think he does. I don't know, but either way, it looks like a, like a, like a revolver, like, maybe like a K-frame or something. Like, it's probably heavy as shit. He could just hit people with it. Yeah, and I honestly like all those guards that were outside of the thing I, if they've never seen a gun before are guns a thing in Oz then why did all of them just have spears I don't know I didn't direct this I was movie. gonna say it basically turns him into like Thanos of Oz just because he has a gun Thanos of Oz <laughs> yeah, he just he decides who lives and dies. Oh my god. <laughs> he is the lord of the harvest. Which is, is funny because he's a fucking scarecrow. Oh my god. Before we get any further off topic, let's talk about the Oscar noms for best picture this year. John, have you seen have you seen any of these movies? Why did you even ask me that question? Okay. Of course I haven't seen any of these movies. Okay, let's play a game. I'm gonna give you each one of these titles and you're gonna tell me what you think the movie movies about okay okay all right the first the first nominated film is 1917 all right so um knowing that 1917 is a war movie because i'm pretty sure i saw like a promo poster for it or sometime something like that mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that it's about like uh like an american boy who uh goes to war in europe and he finds out that deep inside after working with carrier pigeons that he is a carrier pigeon born in a man's body and it's about <laughs> his coming out story uh <laughs> So, so he he is a Birdman. He is Birdman. Yes, it's like the Mothman, but way more controversial in like the uh, social sphere. Is this a prequel to uh, Birdman, a film that also won Best Picture? Uh, no, I'm thinking more back. like Bird Person from Rick and Morty. Oh, okay, so this is his origin story. This is a Rick and Morty canon film. Uh, you could look at it that way, yeah. It's kind of more like an associated thing, how, like, Riverdale is associated with Archie somehow, even though nobody gives a shit about that. Yeah, like, they literally just use the names, and yeah, whatever. Okay. Right, what's the next one? What's the next one? Uh, the next one is Ford versus Ferrari. Well, it would be kind of too easy for me to just say, like, oh, this is about a car, because I'm gonna say that it's about President Gerald Ford getting in a fight with an Italian man in a bar. <laughs> just the whole movie is just one long fight scene? Yeah, pretty much he tells the secret service to fuck off and so he just gets in like a boxing match with this italian dude in the middle of a bar i love it it's more like a pay-per-view boxing match from like the mid-20th century okay i love it um all right the next one is joker um joaquin phoenix that's it which is joaquin phoenix. this is it's joaquin just phoenix. joaquin phoenix it's just him doing things uh <laughs> he yeah that's it he, he's a real joker he is oh. a real joker all right uh the next film is once upon a time in hollywood um it is essentially uh taken but instead of liam neeson and his daughter it's an actual random guy and his daughter who was taken for uh the hollywood sex trafficking ring okay um you know that's actually not that far off <laughs> yeah it's, it's basically it's, it's just ter you know. it's terribly far off but i just wanted to see if you would know that <laughs> i i didn't not at all not at all all right uh the next film is parasite it is a cinematic live streaming of the Democratic Iowa Caucus. 
Jesus. Um, gonna lose some listeners. Um, next film is The Irishman. Uh, this is a movie about uh, Conor McGregor fighting his demons uh, as it relates to substance abuse and also fighting his demons as it relates to Beaz Uh Okay, all right. The next Just going is... off the hip here. This is first impressions off the title alone. <laughs> Little Women. Um... It is uh, Jersey Shore 2 Electric Boogaloo where um, Snooki and Kim Kardashian get in like a world star hip hop fight. Okay. I'm okay. just thinking of small women that I know in pop culture. Good job. I'm, I'm glad you, you got there. I came up with two and they were Snooki and Kim Kardashian. Works for me. They're both hobbits. Um, the next film is Jojo Rabbit. Um, it is a feature-length advertisement for a women's sex toy. All right. Um, I, I'm digging it. Um, most things will probably just be commercials in the future that are just very long advertisement. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. It's like Mac and Me or, uh, The Wizard. <laughs> oh, The Wiz? Y- yeah, well, no, The Wiz was, uh, The Wizard of Oz thing. I'm thinking of the oh. one with the, the Nintendo and the Mario 3. Oh, yeah, The Wizard, where it was pretty much just them talking about how awesome the Power Glove was and then the power yeah, yeah, sucked it's, ass. It's a Nintendo dick slap. Like, it's just them slapping dick. Exactly. All right, and the last film that you have to come up with a plot for, John, is Marriage Story. Um, Married with Children, the TV series, as a musical, on ice. Uh, you know what? I would actually pay to see that. I hope that that's what that's about, because that's one of the ones I haven't seen. Why are we not doing sitcoms on ice? <laughs> Why is that not on a thing? Ice. Yeah, like, I would see that. I, I would go see that. I would go see Friends on ice. I Like, what? what is the on ice part? Are they are they just, like, reenacting the episodes? Or is yeah, this, like, on a, skates in an ice rink. Is it, like, a new story where, like, the, the entire story takes place on an ice rink? and it's more like a uh, a non-traditional theater setting or is this truly just like they play the original audio from the show and then people they have casted to look like the actors like um just reenact it and mouth the words or better yet it's just figure skaters and then they have giant bobblehead sized versions of all the friends characters Ooh, i like that one better uh so they just play the audio and they have the costumes with the big heads and um i love it yeah like i want to see uh, the Fonz jump a shark but the shark is an actual shark and there's like fire shooting out and he's on the skates and he does like a big jump stunt over the shark tank would, on would, ice. Wouldn't the ice be too cold for the shark? Well it's just a prop so they just put the tank on top of the ice. The shark's not actually in the ice in any way. It's just the tank sitting on top of the ice. Ah okay sounds good yeah. to me. <laughs> it's more like a like a monster jam type situation but it's sitcom themed on ice. Alright but the first one is Married with Children on Ice and that is Married story got it yeah <laughs> all right um i hope we have thoroughly offended the academy and anyone who's watched any of these all right now let's get started with the real episode and uh if you didn't guess from the intro this week we are doing the wizard of oz oz, oz. i'm gonna follow this yellow brick road to wherever it goes um life is a highway i'm gonna ride it all night long and um <laughs> I, I, i'm just i'm just doing this road thing i don't know uh, uh highway one historical west coast highway i I'm, I'm out of ideas i just it's a yellow road <laughs> it's a yellow road it, it it's it's made out of 
PCP, actually. Oh, is it really? That's crazy. Uh, just like how uh, everything else in the movie is made out of things that are bad for you. Exactly. We'll get to that. Um, but before we get to any of that, um, let's reiterate why we do this podcast. John, you haven't seen a lot of movies. I have not. So, John, tell me, how the fuck haven't you seen The Wizard of Oz? Uh, I just, wrong place, wrong time, absolutely no motivation. I uh, kind of thought it was overrated for a really long time, where I was like, how could this movie possibly be that good? Um, I, that, that's about it. I, it's maybe even more offensive to people who really love movies to say that I just didn't have the drive to do it. It just didn't seem that interesting. Then for me to actually care about it and have a reason to not see it. Okay, so you you had heard of it you had some working knowledge of the film but you actively yeah. avoided seeing it. yeah like i knew that it was a big step forward for green representation in hollywood uh so there was like the wicked witch of the west uh oz himself uh later on we have additions like yoda um we have stand-up comedian tom saguaro um <laughs> yeah he's america's first half man half cactus green stand-up comedian um i, I love it uh, it's, you know, like, I don't really have a reason for not seeing the movie. But... You don't have a reason for not seeing the movie. Okay. So, after viewing the film, how did you feel about it? Did you still feel like it was overrated or that it, it was not worth your time? No, it was heartwarming. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of sentimental value for people who saw it earlier in life and are now adults. Uh, I don't feel mm -hmm. like this franchise is super, like, predatory in any way. Like, I don't feel like they've milked the absolute ever-loving shit out of it, other than, like, Wicked. <laughs> yeah, well, Wicked is based off of like a uh, like a fan fiction version of this. It's not sanctioned by the people that made Wizard of Oz. Right, kind of like how Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fanfiction at its core. Uh, yes, and Twilight is in turn Buffy the Vampire Slayer fanfiction. I'm into it. I, yeah, sure, why not? So, like, I haven't seen Wicked at all. Like, I'm pretty sure in high school I did, like, a marching band show that was Wicked-themed, and I had absolutely no context. You, you didn't even listen to the music at all? Only like, in passing, because people played it all the time, and I had absolutely no interest in paying attention to it. Okay, and did you know that it was Wizard of Oz related? Yeah, of course. Because, uh, like, there are themes in it, like, uh, ah, uh, green, ri rise up green man. I, I, I don't know what else happens in that. <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely something to behold. Uh, Wicked is not my favorite musical of all time, but it, I, I can't argue with its success. It is definitely a very successful musical. I mean, it, listen, yeah. Listen. Here's my thing. If Wicked outlives Phantom of the Opera, I'll be happy i don't get the whole like andrew lloyd webber like thing like why, why do people really love andrew lloyd webber's stuff i i've asked myself the same question a lot of time and i think it comes down to accessibility like it's i think that i think that people recognize the name andrew lloyd webber because he's responsible for a lot of very long running musicals so like his name sells ticket but also his music is horrible <laughs> So, Andrew Lloyd Webber has commercial success, but his music is not generally regarded as, like, refined or super good. It's just accessible. It's it's kind of, like, no frills. Like, it's, like, it's, a lot of Phantom Broadway. of the Opera. It's all frills. Exactly. But, like, he... Actually, ironically enough, uh, I was about to say we were off topic, but weirdly enough, Andrew Lloyd Webber actually did a uh, redone stage version of The Wizard of Oz using most of the music from the movie. So, this actually isn't as quite off topic as I thought it would be. But Andrew Lloyd Webber's music is very tame, I guess. Like, it's it's almost, like, devoid of, like, a particular style to me. Although you could tell when it's Andrew Lloyd Webber because it's just so bland. Like, Phantom 
the opera, like a lot of it that's not, you know, the masquerade song or the uh, the title song. It's all very bland to me. And that's what always like makes me think of Andrew Lloyd Webber. And then of course he's also the person who wrote Cats and for that, fuck him forever. So Andrew Lloyd Webber seems as like someone who might be kind of a dick. Like he might be like a little full of himself as like a writer. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't really know him as a person. I've never really watched any interviews with him. Andrew Lloyd Webber is not one of the composers I know a lot about. Uh, I was always more like if we're talking about this era in particular, like, you know, like the late 60s to now, I would say Stephen Sondheim's probably my favorite composer for the theater. See, if we're going back to first impressions and things with absolutely no context, I kind of imagine Andrew Lloyd Webber like sitting in like a dark castle, like a Dr. Satan type character. And he has like a mask with a hose running straight to his own ass, just huffing his own gas and I, playing an organ, writing musicals. Like I he's just that full of himself that he loves the smell of his own farts so much that fuels his creative energy um i can neither confirm nor deny that he does that i don't know what rich people do especially rich theater people because that's not usually a thing like most people that do theater are pretty fucking broke uh, you probably get a lot of gwyneth paltrow types uh, yeah you know what after being in theater school i think i can confirm that yeah there's a lot of gwyneth paltrow types there's a lot of uh grossness going on there like what why the fuck do people buy things goop anyway that that is a subject that's been covered by many people i don't think we have anything to add to i mean uh, depending on the type of goop, goop it could be green and that's kind of on brand <laughs> we will discuss goop gate at another day <laughs> goop gate goop gate let's just create a controversy why not fuck it everyone else does it are you okay? I'm I'm just waiting to move on from Goopgate. <laughs> Goopgate. <laughs> you you just don't want anything to do with Goopgate. I'm I'm no, I'm thinking too hard about it and I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> just i can't think about it anymore all right so before we get into the meat of this episode let's uh if you haven't seen the wizard of oz in a little bit if you have never seen it before which uh fuck you uh just watch it like it's not that hard it's like an hour and 10 minutes long it is a sweet little movie it it's of literally no consequence you have nothing but things to gain from watching the wizard of oz you're Um, supporting the munchkin fascist regime i redacted (laughs) (laughs) I, I am redacting that statement. That is just ridiculous. Um, why don't we get our good buddy Frank Synopsis into the studio and he could tell you a little bit about the plot of this film. Cue me in. Oh, um, ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, the incomparable, the unintelligible, the intolerable Frank Synopsis. Hey, hey, you also forgot incontinent. Incontinent. Okay, whatever you want, man. You wrote this. Tell me about the movie, Frank. I gotta say, it's been a cold, cold winter, and I live not in great places. You can probably tell already. They shut my water off the other day. They shut your water off in Central Park? Uh, yeah, the lake froze. Frank, I don't think the lake freezing counts as them shutting your water off. I think that's just God telling you to die. Well, I'm not gonna give the man what he wants. I've been spending a lot of time inside various uh, public establishments, uh, most notably defunct cyber cafes. Defunct? Well, what are they now? Like, are, are they just still cyber cafes that have, like, dust on the computers or something like they left them there? Or are they, like, now other businesses that just used to be cyber cafes? As far as I can tell, they're mostly money laundering operations, but for my purposes, it works just fine. So basically what I have come to do is, not only can I come in and get warm, that's important to living, but I can also watch movies 
please, so I can get on the computer and I don't really have a lot of money for streaming services or rentals or anything. What I normally do is I, uh, I get on Pornhub and I look up regular movies, but I don't always remember the title of the movie, so I kind of have to go with keywords. Uh, in this particular case, I looked up, uh, green shit gets smashed. Oh, okay. And that worked? You found The Wizard of Oz through that? I found a lot of movies, and I think this was probably the, um, my second favorite? Uh, okay. I think I'm gonna regret this, but what was your first favorite? Shrek 2. Oh, okay. That was surprisingly more wholesome than I thought it would be. All right, Frank, tell us about The Wizard of Oz. All right, here we go. Okay. In the sepia-toned land of Kansas, Dorothy Gale is a young girl living on a farm with her aunt and uncle. One day during a tornado storm, Dorothy's farmhouse is picked up in a twister and she's taken to the technicolor world of Oz. Upon her arrival, she kills a witch, meets a scarecrow with no brain, a tin man with no heart, and a cowardly lion. They journey through Oz in search of the wizard in hopes that he can make all of their dreams come true. Along the way, they make enemies, such as a witch on the hunt for the revenge of the death of her sister, flying monkeys, some angry trees, and a fucking green horse. Shit's crazy. <laughs> fucking green horse. Is that where? Is that where the green shit gets smashed? No, that was my third favorite movie on the Pornhub site. That was the Equus remake from 2019. Oh, okay. <laughs> Starring Dan Radcliffe's penis. Alright. Alright, Frank, it's been lovely having you in the studio as always. Well, I'm always happy to come inside and get warm and eat your appetizers from craft services craft services what are you talking about are you talking about the stale ass goldfish that i threw away in the trash a little bit ago i'm gonna go now okay frank please don't look through our garbage hey um will someone just make sure that we are taking out the garbage frequently thank you uh zach it's just us we, we don't have like a like a team um, we definitely don't have craft services yeah and that's why i was very very concerned for frank hey john it's good to see you back oh yeah no i i didn't go too far i was at craft service uh, oh okay all right john now that you're back let's go into the other part of this podcast let's go into the shtick of this podcast if you will the um shtick. the shtick john are you going to give us a new cocktail this week I hope you're ready for it, because it's going to take a lot of work. Well, maybe not a lot of work. It's not like the most labor-intensive cocktail I've ever done, but it, it it's enough to be a little annoying. Like, don't let this be your last drink of the night, because you're going to get bored with it halfway through and just start drinking the rum. <laughs> I mean, why's the rum always gone? Because you were trying that's to why. make this cocktail. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why. Okay. All right, so uh, this one requires a little preparation, so it's going to be something you prep a glass for. So what I do in this order is I'll take like a rocks glass and I will rim the top with like simple syrup and pack it on with gold sugar. So now the glass is like rimmed with gold sugar. Uh, then you want to take some grenadine and put it in the bottom of the glass. It's important you do it in this order because why would you ever try to rim a glass with something in the bottom of the glass already? You just dump it all over the plate. I've done it before though. The last time I rimmed my glasses, my asshole hurt. I really wish you hadn't said that out loud. <laughs> Please continue on. Okay, so <laughs> put the ice on top of the grenadine. You want to keep the grenadine in the bottom of the glass as best you can. Uh, then you're going to get your cocktail shakers. You're going to put an ounce of white rum, a half an ounce of peach schnapps, a half an ounce of lemon, an ounce of lime juice, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of sweet and sour mix. This can be pre-mixed or made from scratch, but the color, believe it or not, actually tends to work better with pre-made mix, and I don't normally advocate using pre-made mix for anything, but in this case, it kind of works out. I guess if you're allergic to, like, yellow 
food coloring, you probably shouldn't do it. I don't know. Just, just I, There's probably a lot of things you should avoid in the alcohol world if you're allergic to, like, food dye. Okay. So, you'll take this, shake it up with ice, and then you are going to pour it through a strainer carefully into the glass, not to disturb the grenadine too much. And then you top it with a lime wedge and a maraschino cherry. And that Beautiful. is We're Not in Kansas Anymore. The We're Not in Kansas Anymore. Your cocktail for this week to go with uh, our film, The Wizard of Oz. You can find a uh, recipe card for this cocktail and all other cocktails from this show on our Facebook page. Uh, that is For Your Inflammation with Zach and John on Facebook. Yeah, good. Uh, we've got to do our own commercials because we're, we're getting left behind with everything else becoming an advertisement. Yeah, it's touched on earlier. Yes. Uh, so what, what should we advertise, John? Um, Rumplemans. What, Rumplemans? Yeah, Rumplemans. Do, do they have people we can contact? I'm sure they do. Okay, you get you get on that. You See if Rumplemans will sponsor us. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat, the heart, the soul of this episode. Let's... I want to get into the meat. Let's keep it at meat. Let's keep it at meat? All right. Yeah, I want to get into the meat. I, I, this this turned really sexual very quick, and I don't like it. That um, was on you. I'm just hungry. <laughs> you're just hungry. Okay. Well, let's finish the episode up so you can go eat, buddy. So, let's start with just some your basic info, like your, uh, your Wikipedia info here. Uh, this mm-hmm. film was directed by Victor Fleming, George Cukor, and King Vidor. Vidor. And, or Vider. I'm not kinda, sure. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Again, first impressions. Just, just try to pronounce stuff. It probably doesn't work. Like this next guy's name is produced by Mervyn Leroy. Mervyn? What is he like? A like like a wizard? Like his name is actually pronounced Mervyn Leroy, and he produced a lot of things for MGM. This being his first film that he ever produced for MGM. Huh. Well. That's that's a good one to start with, I guess. Even though the yeah. film didn't, like, do really great in the beginning. It did not, but uh, Mervyn Leroy actually wanted to direct this film. And mm. uh, the head of MGM told him that he could not. Because he thought that producing this and directing it might take too much toll on him. Ah, uh, looking at you, Kubrick. Exactly. So, and that's kind of why um, they kept just shuffling around directors in this movie. And we'll get to some of that in the uh, more production side of this conversation that we're going to have mm-hmm. so stay tuned for that us uh, so, <laughs> the screenplay is by noel langley florence rice ryerson ryerson I- i'm just gonna do it in a weird accent every time there's something that i don't know so like king of Vidore, or like a uh, mervin lalore or like florence ryerson <laughs> And Edgar Allan Wolf, who had right. possibly the coolest name possible. Yeah, and the easiest to pronounce. Exactly. Looking at you, Ryerson. Ryerson. The score is done by Herbert Stothart, and he did not write any of the actual like musical numbers he just wrote the score and like the under music for the whole thing uh and this film was released on august 25th 1939 which was about 80 years ago it'll be 81 this year it is crazy to think that this movie is 80 years old um yes and no uh if you watch an older restoration of this film you could definitely tell how old it is but when you're watching like uh the brand new 4k version they just came out with which was what i watched for this film this uh podcast Mm-hmm. Um, it it does look like it might have been from like the fifties. Like that that's how good they clean it up. It, it's just crazy to me that there 
are films that are over a hundred years old now. Like it's 2020. Oh. There were movies that came out before 1920. Yeah. yeah. Like it, that's a thing. This art form has been around that long. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the Lord willing or whatever the fuck's up there, I guess we'll be around for the hundredth anniversary of this movie. I would hope that we could stick around for another 19 years. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you never know, man. You never know. Uh, the world might not even exist. This movie not might not make it to a hundred. This movie, you know what I just fucking realized? This movie is y- younger than Betty White. Oh my God. Betty White just turned 98 the other day. This movie is younger than Betty White. Oh my God. <laughs> That's insane. We have to, I can't think about that. Okay, so uh, <laughs> budget of $2.8 million, pretty high for the time, and a lifetime box office return of $26.1 million. But that was not until the later releases of the film, am I right? Yes, the, uh, most of that money was made in re-releases. And uh, most of the re-releases were pretty limited, except for uh, the ones that came out in 1971, I believe. Um, 1970 and 1971 were actually where uh, the film gained its G rating. Uh, it was oh, released fun. for like MGM Kitty Bat Days or something like that. Um, Interesting. So that's when they took out the Equus Green Horse scene and like it got rid of its X rating. Oh yeah, and it's lost footage now. You know, there's you there was a scene where uh, the the horse that changes colors was like sucking its own dick or whatever, and they they just took it out. I I don't know why. Maybe I can't to keep, be that maybe hard that for a horse. Rating. I mean, is it? What would it? Would it be hard for a horse to suck its own? You know what? I don't want to know. I'm sure I could find out if I wanted to know, but I don't. So I'm not going to look that up. Okay, and cool. Let's none of you on. should either. <laughs> I'll tell Frank to look that up next time he goes to a cyber cafe. Yeah, especially because if they have computers still running there with no one operating the cyber cafe, um, you should definitely go look up all your weird shit at um, <laughs> non-secured and non-chaperoned cyber cafes. Mm-hmm. So basically just Starbucks. Yes, exactly. They don't give a fuck what you do at Starbucks. If you have your headphones on and they can't hear what you're doing, they don't know what you're doing. Right, just uh, don't be black. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's but a, that, apparently they care about that. Oh, man, they got so much shit for that. Anyway. That, earned. Well earned. <laughs> well earned. Yeah, you shouldn't be a shitty company. Let's get into the source material. The film is based on The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, published on May 17, 1900. Yeah, I didn't actually know that this was based on a book before this, like, at all. I didn't know this was a novel at all. You didn't know, you didn't know it was a novel? Yeah, the, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, there's like 34 of these fucking books. That's news to me. I didn't even know there was one yeah um he originally came up with the concept for oz he knew he wanted to write about a magical land that a girl named dorothy went to but he didn't know what to call it and he looked at an encyclopedia volume he had on his bookshelf and it was from o to z and he said oh that would be a great thing to call it oz oz Uh, ozzy osbourne wasn't a thing yet so the wonderful wizard of oz no because blizzard of oz is derivative of wizard of oz so that doesn't really work either yeah i i do think it's supposed to be derivative it would have to be uh ruby slippers were silver slippers yeah the ruby slippers were actually silver slippers in the novel they changed them to ruby in the film to uh take advantage of the technicolor because if it was just silver shoes in technicolor it wouldn't be that interesting which one is less comfortable to wear ruby shoes or silver shoes i don't know they're probably all pretty fucking uncomfortable because they're flats and she's walking a very long distance flats and having a girlfriend who wears flats 98 percent of the time i would say that that is probably not a great idea the government should just issue everybody like um 
Keds or something. I'd just be like, all right, nobody else gets to bitch about how much their feet hurt. Everybody's being issued a pair of shoes. Jesus, Keds hurt my feet, man, because I'm flat-footed, so like things like Toms and uh, Adidas and Vans are this very is why good I for support, my feet. This is why I support Dr. Scholl's for the 2020 presidency. <laughs> Everybody's got to stop having flat-ass hobbit feet today. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at you, Kim K. I'm looking at you, Snooky. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, let's get back into the source material. Uh, the book was widely successful and spawned 13 sequels coming out until 1919 when Baum died of a stroke, unfortunately. Hmm. After Baum's death, 21 more sequels were written by Ruth Plumley Thompson, each published every Christmas season between 1920 and 1942. So they just had like a gotcha Christmas gift for all their children for 21 more years. Exactly. Like, Well, I mean, like these books were widely popular even after L. Frank Baum died. I mean, people still wanted these books. And then I think even more came out all the way up until like the 50s so like what what type of person reads this today like i didn't even know this was a book so um children mostly like i remember i read a couple of them as a kid they are very child friendly to read almost in a uh like a like an alice in wonderland or a winnie the pooh type like it's very much that like i don't know what it is about like early 1900s and uh late 1800s books but they still are very easy for children to read huh even when there's 34 of them to understand the entire like universe of oz um from what i understand i did a little bit of reading into it but it wasn't really i was like we're not a book podcast so i didn't want to delve too deep into it but apparently a lot of the lore like kind of steps on itself after a while like i can't i can't remember any specifics but apparently it's not a very good lore like you just kind of have to believe that this place exists at a yeah certain i mean point. how and else you just are you gotta, gonna whatever, have... whatever whatever rule this individual novel you're reading has set up that's what you believe just disregard everything else yeah i was gonna say it's pretty hard to have like a like a fascist munchkin society and then to later on have them superseded by like an agrarian communist pol pot type Khmer rouge like munchkin society how do those exist in the same space don't you think the fascists would have hunted down like the agrarian communists i you have officially lost me <laughs> i just know about movies munchkin politics are rough <laughs> munchkin politics be rough it'd be like that sometimes little lives matter <laughs> at kim k at snooki little at women snooki. 2019 <laughs> little women 2019 for academy award and freedom <laughs> free the munchkins free, free the munchkins 2020 yes <laughs> all right so the actors in this film of course judy garland is dorothy gale we all know judy garland oh uh, yes she she was named the little girl with the big voice um frank morgan as professor marvel the gatekeeper the carriage driver the guard and the wizard of oz <laughs> All right, what? So, was this allowed later on? Like, can you have this happen in later movies with, like, uh, the acting guild and all that stuff? Do they regulate that? Um, you can cast whoever you want to be whatever role you want in the movie, whether that's all of them or not. I mean, Eddie Murphy played pretty much every character in Nutty Professor. Mm, and, uh... uh Norbit. Yeah, 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 the Tyler Perry. Yeah, 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 he's everything. Exactly, like, he's multiple characters in the movie, which I, I don't really get from a, uh, from a storytelling perspective what that helps you do but whatever um actually frank morgan was never the first choice to play the wizard um so he was casted as all of these other characters beforehand and then they also gave him the wizard of oz yeah they should have cast um, richard Pryor. 
Richard Pryor was not even... He might have been a child when this came out. Still stands. Still stands. Okay. Uh, Ray Bulger as Hunk slash the Scarecrow. Jack Haley as Hickory slash the Tin Man. Burt Lar as Zeke slash the Cowardly Lion. Ah, um, uh, yes. The double casting there makes sense because they help her on the farm and then they also help her in Oz. So it yeah, makes I think sense. Dorothy's got some kind of like, uh, like psychosis thing going on where everybody in her life becomes a fantastical character. You know, you got the witch and Mrs. Gulch. Uh, you got these guys. Uh, Dorothy makes up the fourth member of the party. Uh, the Riders of the Apocalypse, in a certain sense. <laughs> that or she's just very unimaginative and she's like, oh, even though this is a talking lion, it still sounds like Zeke. Yeah, I'm thinking that, like, the Tin Man has to be the war writer and uh, Scarecrow has to be, like, Pestilence. Um <laughs> Uh, Dorothy is death because she kills the witch on the way in. So that leaves the lion to be plague. I I guess so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, the, your your Wizard of Oz fan fiction you're building over there is coming along very nicely. Maybe yours will get turned into a musical. Hey, who knows? I'll do it on ice and it'll be really offensive. <laughs> Just call it Death of Oz. Death of I Oz. I would go see that. Death of Oz. Let's start writing it, John. Uh, music by Ozzy Osbourne. Music by Ozzy Osbourne. It'll it'll be like his last thing before he passes away. Yes, starring Snooky as Dorothy. Starring Snooky. Jeez, Christ. All right, uh, Billy Burke is Glinda. Billy Burke was originally a Broadway actress. Uh, she had just came She just came to NGM when they gave her this role. It was apparently her favorite role of all time, and they all say that. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> Margaret Hamilton as Miss Gulch slash the Wicked Witch. Ah, uh, um, yeah. She... Not a fan. Not a fan. You don't like her? I mean, she plays the role really well. She's just an easy-to-hate role. Exactly. Like, I mean, how can you not hate the Wicked Witch other than if you've seen Wicked? I honestly think that I hate Miss Gulch more than I hate the witch. Exactly, because the witch is a witch. Like, you expect a witch to be evil. Right. I kind of wish people would have, like, pulled out their fucking gat and gone after Miss Gulch the same way the Scarecrow went after the Wicked Witch. Yeah, exactly, because Mrs. Gulch was using the government to handle her personal affairs, and I don't agree with that at all. Right, and knowing how it works in the, like, Khmer Rouge Munchkin Society, they would not have been able to do that with the Wicked Witch. But in our terrible, terrible world, Miss Gulch can do that. She can leverage the sheriff's office to get people's dogs killed. Exactly. Like, it's so extreme. Like, they're gonna put the dog down? Sure, man. It's, it's so fucking, like, severe. Like, who does this? Like, who is that petty? I don't know. Um, I, we, we should get uh, Rage Against the Machine to do an album on this. <laughs> Rage Against the Machine's Wizard of Oz. Rage Against the Oz. R Rage Against the Oz. Jeez. Christ. Um, let's just finish this up. Uh, Charlie Grapewin as Uncle Henry. Uh, Clara Blendick as Auntie M. Pete Walsh as Nico the Winged Monkey. And mm. Terry as Toto. Those are all very supporting roles. Uh, they did a good job. Good good job, all of you guys. Uh, no one from this movie is alive. So Right. Uh, <laughs> Toto actually won the 1940 Academy Award for Best Dog. <laughs> John, I I'm all good with misinformation. Please don't fuck with my information. That is not true true <laughs> that's okay that does okay. not exist we, we, we should, should have a best dog award dude okay at the end of every year at the end of every oscar season we will pick the best dog from whatever movie and if there's not a dog present we will find a dog to i'm into that best dog i'm very into that there's got to be a dog in a movie every year i mean even if they're the only dog that makes them the only contender so they're the best dog exactly tell me about this music 
Alright, like I said before, the score was written by Herbert Stothart, while the musical numbers and lyrics were written by Harold Allen and Yip Harburg, respectively. I, so, who are these people? Why are they named this? Is this is how people were named back in the day? Like, a Pappy Van Knee Slapper? Like, it's like, <laughs> a Steamboat Willie? Like, people are just named that shit. I, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't know. I was not a person who named someone in the uh, 20s and 30s. But Yip is a dope name. I would name my kid Yip. Yeah. I Nah, I'm still in for Rig. <laughs> rig? Yeah, I'm going to name my first kid Rig. R-I-G. Rig. Big dick Rig. Rig Harburg. See, Rig Harburg is a good name. Rig Harburg. Okay, well, we'll just change his name to Rig Harburg. Yeah. Um, like, like, what's Yip short for? Like, Yippard? Yip Andrew. <laughs> Terrible. Don't name your kid Yip. Name your ta- name your kid Rig. <laughs> what is Rig short for? Wrigley. Riggard. <laughs> See, at least Wrigley is a real name. Wrigley is a real name. Okay. The music from this movie um, was a very big staple in World War II culture because this is one of the, uh, the biggest movies that came out before World War II. And so, you know, like somewhere over the rainbow became kind of like um uh what smile by charlie chaplin was to the great depression like uh somewhere over the rainbow kind of became like a uh a song of like you know hope for the world war ii era and it became judy garland's most requested song throughout her entire career she could never finish a concert without singing somewhere over the rainbow i think that kind of comes with the territory it's like being tiny tim and not having to do like living in the sunlight or whatever that fucking song is called exactly like if he doesn't do that it would be kind of like it would be like going to see steely dan and they don't play uh whatever that big song that steely dan plays yeah i love that big song that steely dan plays yeah you know that big song by steely dan it goes uh something like that you know it yeah then the guitar that goes exactly like you you know it when you hear it but if you went to a concert for steely dan you're like oh yeah i recognize the name i don't recognize any songs but i know that there's going to be a song that i at least have a familiarity with and that they didn't play that song at all you would fucking murder steely dan right or like going to a jimmy buffett concert and they don't play margaritaville or cheeseburger in paradise or finn or any of the songs uh son, the of, a, son of a sailor f- what the fuck is fins you know do 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 got fins to the left fins to the right you don't remember that song i want to kill myself now go the fuck to florida <laughs> i i want no part of that uh the watch the volcano blow pfft, whatever the fuck that song is we need to talk about escape to margaritaville at some point we absolutely do i really want to see it i want to get like a poster for my room I, i'm sure you could probably get uh, they might pay you to take it you I'm could probably get the whole set if you wanted to <laughs> now, that is that that's the move that's the that's move, the right move. There. that's the move <laughs> all right get the whole margaritaville set in my house i i i, I want to look up a picture of what it looks like but i'll do that after the show i'll put it in the show notes um the, and actually the last thing i have here on the music for the film is somewhere over the rainbow was actually removed from the second preview of the film because the producers thought that it might have made the film too long or too stagnant in the beginning and they just really wanted to just get to us they just wanted to get all the shit at the beginning over with yeah not to reference taken with liam neeson again but like they should have done a shot for shot of that trailer but it's just a scarecrow with the gun it's just the scarecrow with the gun. yeah he's like got my gat i will kill you and that's just a scarecrow fighting flying monkeys and waving that gun around at everybody jesus 
All right. Why so does that... nobody talk about the Scarecrow's gun? Like, I, I did not I don't know, know anything like, about that honestly, until we got here. Until I un- watched this movie. Until you, like, mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, I, like, literally never thought about it twice that he had a gun. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's not a very big focus point of the scene. They never really bring it up that he has a gun because he should have just fucking murdered all of them. Like, if he had enough ammo, he should have just fucking murdered everyone. I was gonna say, dude, it's just like... <sighs> He's the only one with a gun. Right. That's like, being the only person with the gun is like the most advantageous place you can be in any fight. <laughs> right. Yeah. He brought a gun to a knife fight and there's only like one knife, I think. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if anybody brought a knife. I mean, this Tin Man has an axe. That's kind of like a knife, I guess. <laughs> I'm just it's like a knife on a stick. Like a, I'm just imagining like a, um, like a Lord of the Rings, like top, uh, top down game, but it's Wizard of Oz and like the big move is to have the Scarecrow like shoot people's legs and then the tin man just comes and chops their head off i play that game very dark but i'm into it this is like a boondock saints thing (laughs) and the cowardly lion his big thing is like he gets on top of hills and then just like flies in just like takes out like two or three of them at the same time dude you know what we're making that game i would play that game battle of oz let's do it okay yeah uh it's like a like a like a like a battle royale first person shooter no 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 it's like a top down like strategy type oh i see what you mean okay okay where you have to you you have to place the tin man the scarecrow and the cowardly lion in the most advantageous place possible dude this sounds like a great game why why doesn't this exist battle of odds 2025 look yeah they were a little too busy playing full house tournament fighter to put any money into this (laughs) you know what i want to play full house tournament fighter i want to beat the shit out of everyone in full house can i can you put it out on the switch so i can use my knee as a fighter and then i could just fight all of them now there's an idea <laughs> now there's an idea that we is have idea. to move on we have to um, move hang on. on hang on one more game if if i'm making a list of things like you know you guys are making all these triple a games and everything i want one more game and it's very simple i just want a vr game where i can beat the shit out of a minion like and that's just the whole game and like i can like pull its eyes out i can make them eat its own eyes i can like chop it i can do whatever the fuck i want to do to this minion i just need someone to make it so what you're asking for is like an interactive buddy type situation but it's got a minion skin and it's 3d and it's 3d and it's like ultra realistic and i can do literally whatever i want to this motherfucker what color is minion blood is it also yellow or is it like a different color i don't care what it is it's going all over the place all right in the walls with it i'm into it i'm into it (laughs) oh god or has someone made like a um like a like a like a riot room game in vr i'm sure someone had to sure yeah that's probably one of the first things they did yeah like because those are cool i want to do one anyway we definitely have to move on definitely have to move on all right so let's move on into the production side of this you know the 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 things that actually happen um first things first when they got you know the writers and everybody working on the sets and everything was who the fuck's gonna play dorothy and uh if you are in 1930 your first choice is probably shirley temple okay you know who shirley temple is right like yeah i do know crackers in my soup it's probably burned into your memory because you fell asleep watching the tv as a child watching nick at night uh I just watched like the like the infomercial like order now surely Temple Greatest Hits like that thing played all the time in like 2006 oh yeah for sure animal crap it's burned into my brain you know what I don't remember how to do algebra but I remember you know the Shirley Temple fucking uh little darling classics collection infomercial like almost word for word I feel like if we put half the money into the education system that we funnel into marketing 
the world will be a completely different place. The world would be, it really would be. Like, I wish I could just switch out useless information for like, if like for like, I don't know, like a karate move. Sure. Can I, yeah, can I, can I switch out useless information for things that actually matter, like a CPR or a how to have sex for more than 30 seconds? I'd love you that. You know what, man? Yeah, that, uh, these are things that people could really get use out of. But instead, exactly. I know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, and uh, I remember that Pythagorean theorem is a thing, but I don't remember how to use it. <laughs> um, PEMDAS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never learned it then, and I didn't learn it now. Exactly. <laughs> Order of operations is important. Anyway, the point is, Shirley Temple was deemed too young at 10 years old to do this movie, even though she, like, super wanted to do it, like, um, <laughs> in interviews interviews that she would do she she would constantly drop lines from the book the wizard of oz or i guess the script that she was given to read she'd say like you know there's no place like home or like i don't think we're in kansas anywhere like she wanted to be dorothy so bad and they were just like ew gross get her out of here so why did she, they end up she wants judy it too garland, much um She's judy older. garland um because she was they thought that she could play the role better being older mm-hmm and um, she was getting some notoriety at the time. Like I said, she was known as the little girl with the big voice. She grew up in uh, vaudeville. Mm. So she, she's she been acting in, like around the country before. Her name was getting recognizable because she was in some early Hollywood films. And she got the part, but they told her that she had to lose 15 pounds. Which, seeing pictures of her before, I'm like, how? Where is she losing it from? Um, Judy Garland actually dealt with this like a lot of her career. Like People did not think she was very pretty. Um, Apparently what? she yeah like apparently she was deemed as homely for an actress okay yeah i'm like um no but okay she looks like uh, she's in a similar league as like maureen o'hara exactly like she's like i mean is she like you know like dick drainingly beautiful i mean i don't know especially not in this movie considering she's 16 no exactly so it's like i don't know what they mean by like she's homely looking so too long didn't read they wanted someone to be a child but they didn't want to cast an actual child so they cast a young adult to play a child demanded they lose 15 pounds and uh what else did they do um they actually made her wear a tight corset to hide her womanly figure because dorothy is supposed to be a child so she wore like this exactly so she wore this tight ass thing so that like i guess her boobs wouldn't show or like her curves right and then we wonder why we have problems with this in hollywood exactly and it's don't cast a child because that's weird cast an adult so i don't have to feel weird about sexualizing them but make them yeah. look like a child make them look like a child but don't don't let them be a child fucking gross. let's move on um another interesting production note was the cowardly lion's costume is made out of real lion's hair oh i'm, I'm uh, my my uh, something's wrong with the for- uh, pita is uh. <laughs> um okay just so that pita doesn't come knocking on my door um it was there are already vegans then. assembling outside of my house it is wrong then and it was wrong now however how dope would that be it's like i'm wearing an actual fucking lion right now but it says lion's hair not lion's skin i guess so anyway they should have just had Um, a real lion play it what is this appropriating bullshit give real lions real roles um ray bulger fought tooth and nail to become the scarecrow when he learned that he had been cast as the tin man he even got his agent and lawyer involved to make sure that he could play the scarecrow 
Scarecrow. Like, he just believed in his heart that he was supposed to play the Scarecrow. And, and if he, he had to play did, the Tin Man. So, what? I'm getting mixed did. up with the cast. He did end up playing the Tin Man. No, wait, what? No, he, he, play, he, he played the Scarecrow. He was supposed to be the Tin Man. Buddy Epson, the original Tin Man, was supposed to play the Scarecrow, but they did a switch because Roy Bulger was like, eh, my penis, I want to be the Scarecrow. And so they let him be the Scarecrow. God, entitled millennial ass. It's God fucking millennials. Yeah. All right. And then we will get to um the Tin Man incident that actually got Buddy Epson taken out of this momentarily. But let's talk about some of the uh, insane shit that happened on this production. Uh, the first director, Norman Tarog, was canned for not having enough childlike sensibilities to film the movie. Pedophiles. 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 <laughs> so he was apparently like they were looking at some of like the, the production shots and they were just like, this is not good. And they reassigned him to a different film. And I couldn't figure out what film he got reassigned to. If somebody oh, did knows, not like drop it in the, the fact comments. that they gave the scarecrow a fucking gun? Was that not childlike enough? <laughs> No, giving him a gun is just sensible. If, if there's guns in Oz, why are you not using a gun? The only way to stop a bad guy with a flying monkey is a good guy with a gun. Uh, beautiful. I, that might be the title of the episode. Um... <laughs> We have to move on. We cannot Jesus. bog down with the gun thing again. Okay, so Richard Thorpe became director after this and filmed most of the first Scarecrow scene and then was released from his contract due to the Tin Man incident, which we've won. All right, so... I yeah, promise, I promise we're getting there. I want to know. I don't there. know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you want me to just... No, let's just talk about the directors and then I will get to the Tin Man incident. Okay. Um, George Cukor, uh, who directed Gone with the Wind, came in to help put the show back together and make some changes before he had to go work on Gone with the Wind, which ended up beating Wizard of Oz for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And then, after that, Victor Fleming came in and he's he directed a good majority of the film. Like, I, I think it's about 95% of the film he directed, but then he had to go help finish up Gone with the Wind for George Cukor because him and the star of Gone with the Wind were not getting along. So they had a lot of like personnel switching back and forth between these two movies. Um, but the last director on this film who like finished up like all the other shots was King Vider, and uh, he went uncredited for years until eventually someone found it in like some notes somewhere, and he said that he didn't want to distract from Victor Fleming's work because this was mainly his movie. Uh, respect, respect. Respect, yeah. Like, he didn't want to take credit for it. He's like, I'll take the money, but I don't want any credit. So, okay. it, it is... You know what? Good guy. Not a pedophile. Not a pedophile. <laughs> Are you just going to deem people you like? It's not pedophiles and people that you don't like as pedophiles. Only in Hollywood. <laughs> Only in Hollywood. Alrighty. Um, Alright, so let's get into the Tin Man incident. I've I've uh, I've hyped it up enough. Let's go there. Okay, right, so... I want to know. Alright, so the original Tin Man's um costume that was worn by Buddy Epson, they used an aluminum powder for for his Tidman face. Hmm. And what I, I I guess they thought this was okay back then. But um uh, sure, <laughs> yeah. As uh, anyone who lives in 2020 could probably tell you, uh, if you put aluminum powder on your face, it's probably going to get in your lungs. And it did for bu poor Buddy Epson. Um, he could not breathe on set. Um, it got into his bloodstream through like an open wound on his face. And he had to be rushed to the hospital where the producers and the uh, studio thought he was being a big fucking baby. And they were so mad that he was holding up production. And then they went to go see him in the hospital and he was in critical condition and 
could not speak. <laughs> and so they just were like, we're very sorry. Uh, please don't sue us. I don't know if suing was a thing back then. He should have definitely sued us. Pedophiles. Pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> And so he was uh, let go from the production. So when Jack Haley took over for Buddy Epson as the Tin Man, they actually did not tell him what happened to Buddy Epson. Wow. <laughs> he thought he just assumed he had been fired for like negligence or something along those lines. Pedophilia. And pedophilia. And um, you don't get fired for that in Hollywood. Jesus Christ, you are harping on this. Um, I am. They, and really, no one on set knew that he that he was fired because of that unless they saw him uh, you know not breathing due to aluminum being in his lungs right <laughs> and so that's pretty much the tin man incident like it, someone had to be fired over it and i guess it was that director you know what i'm glad that uh justice prevailed i'm glad that a mob justice was not instituted because yep, having aluminum simple, in the like... lungs is bad having an aluminum bat in the skull is worse um i don't know which one's worse because at least an aluminum bat to the skull might kill you the first time that's a good point that's a good point i, I take it back Okay, um, th that was not the end of uh, people getting hurt on set, though. Margaret Hamilton had an incident when they were filming uh, the scene where she's leaving Munchkin Land. You know, mm -hmm. like where she goes up in a big ball of flames. Apparently, she's supposed to fall through a trapdoor before any of the fire starts. Mm -hmm. But on this particular incident, the trapdoor failed, and she fell down through slowly, like pretty much like she fell on like her ass and then slid down through it. And uh, the fire actually caught onto her makeup. And she said she could feel like a burning sensation, but she didn't know what was going on. Uh, someone pulled her out of the trap door, or like, I guess, whatever was underneath the trap door. Right. And rushed her over to the first aid station and started, like, pretty much hosing down her face to get her makeup off. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she said it hurt for some reason, and she didn't know why. Like she was unaware of what was going on. And the once he was all finished, and he saw that she only had like a couple of burns. They actually ended up being third degree burns on her face and hands, but a lot better than what could have happened because that stagehand let her know that her makeup had copper in it, and if he had not gotten to her faster, it could have started eating her face because it was uh heated up interesting wow uh, uh did we learn a lot from this or do they keep doing this stuff for a few years after this happened? oh they keep doing this for a few years after this like they they choose to treat actors like shit man <laughs> like it was not advantageous to be an actor at all other than the fame like they used to not make any money like um uh i remember i was uh listening to someone talk about uh alan alda's dad on another podcast mm -hmm. like um alan alda from mash and all kinds of other shit but his father was also a famous a celebrity and the only way he knew that they were gonna have some money for the next couple of months was if his dad went and took them out for a steak dinner that meant he got a gig like so nice. these actors were actually not making that much money back in those days like now like maybe around this era like uh, the golden age um they might have been making a little more money but i mean a lot of them lived pretty modestly yeah i see it i mean royalties definitely became a thing with distribution i guess so like yeah once you have films being more widely distributed or you have large companies that are able to like demand royalties or like distribute money better maybe mm -hmm. you it, can it's get a, a way little bit more for your work well that came with like the actors union and um you know the screenwriters guild like s someone had to stand up for those people at some point because they were losing out on money that the studio just kept you know pocketing they, mm. they were making money off of their work right which i mean if you look at it from you know any other way is basically how it works this is why we need one of those munchkin governments <laughs> like a government for munchkins or a small government yes <laughs> okay um 
another interesting thing I found was that the way they went from, you know, like where Dorothy comes out of the farmhouse and then it's Technicolor. Yeah. The way they did that was they actually filmed a stand-in, because it's all one continuous shot. They um, filmed a stand-in for Judy Garland uh, coming out of the farmhouse and then panned around the scene to look at Oz. And then when it came back, um, Dorothy came out from like a side door, or I mean, sorry, Judy Garland came out from like a side door in her fully colored dress. Interesting. So this is kind of like that scene in Airplane where um, they're dancing in Drambuie and then Staying Alive comes on and they throw what's-his-face up into the air and then like that was a stunt double they got thrown up in the air and then the actual guy's like creeping behind the crowd and like pops up in like the foreground yes very much like that except they did it right right <laughs> and this wasn't in the 70s and this wasn't in the 70s um and i guess the last like thing i found like from a, like a production story is um a lot of the garland family points to this film was the start of a uh, judy garland's drug addiction mm. um to keep her like up for the long hours they actually put her on amphetamines nice you know like to keep her perky and to keep her up for like you know the whole like production schedule that they had to do that day because she's in nearly every scene right um, this was before bang energy this was before bang energy so they just gave her a bunch of amphetamines but then she couldn't go to sleep so she was like you know starting to have some health effects for that so they just put her on barbiturates to help her go to sleep for like the four uh, yeah. hours she would go to sleep a day it's like a red light green light type situation where your green lights are the amphetamines and your red lights the barbiturates so you're just like green light red light green yep. light <laughs> and it's it's just absolutely depressing and horrible like i, I don't i really don't know <sighs> Like, old Hollywood is so weird, and it sucks that that happened to her, because if it had not been for that, she might not have... She might not have died the way she did, or she might not have had to live her life the way she did. But then again, yeah. we wouldn't have gotten Liza Minnelli's crazy ass, so I guess it worked for something. All um, right. Yeah, it's pedophiles. Pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, but uh, although I don't think Judy Garland would be alive today had she I mean, not Betty had White's all of her problems. Well, Judy Garland would have been over 100 years old at this Betty point. Betty White's still around today. Yeah, but Betty White is immortal. It's like her and, like, um, oh, who's that guy from the Rolling Stones? Not Keith jagger richards. keith richards they're the immortals like if they die no the apocalypse is coming um all right so that's enough about the production of the film let's go into like what impact this film had or you know events preceding the film um this this movie won three out of six nominated academy awards including best music best song for over the rainbow and best performance by a juvenile actress judy garland mm -hmm. so but, you take a child actor and you make her lose a bunch of weight to look more like a child and then you put her on a bunch of drugs and somehow this is cool exactly and then we, we reward the behavior by giving them awards <laughs> i mean it, it is Pedophiles. <laughs> I hate you. Um, but it famously lost the award for Best Picture to Gone with the Wind, even though it had a lot of the same crew, which is right. just strange to me. Um, it's also considered to be in, like, the best year of the golden age of Hollywood, like 1939. Like, this was when a shit ton of movies came out, and uh, it's too long to list here. We have too much to get through to uh, really start listing all those. But just know Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz are in that group and a bunch of others. Right, uh, we covered a little bit of this back in October with, like, our uh, Golden Age horror film series where we covered, like, uh, Dracula and Creature from the Black Lagoon and movies like that. Exactly. Um, but it's just... 
yeah, there's just a bunch of shit, like, that came out that year. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm gonna move on. Um, <laughs> as the years went on, it was re-released in theaters in 1949, 1955, 1970, 1971, uh, just like I told you earlier. Uh, 1998, 2002, 2009, 2013 as a 3D release. 2015 and 2019, where it was also coinciding with a 4K Blu-ray release. Hey, we get that, like, Cheeto-flavor-blasted flaming Hot IMAX version. Exactly. I, I think it. I think there was an IMAX version that came out, but I hate it when they like make a movie that was not shot in IMAX. IMAX, like it doesn't make any sense. Like right, an animated I, movie. How can an animated movie be formatted for IMAX? Fuck you. I don't know. I, they just got to put like a lot more emphasis on the scarecrow's gun, and then like they just got to make the sounds really big, like the floor shakes whenever he shoots the fucking gun. <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate this version of this movie. Um, <laughs> it first premiered on television on November 3rd, 1956 on CBS for $225,000 for broadcast. And it was broadcast on television every single year since then. And that's kind of how it became like a very nostalgic thing for like the TV generation. So like, you know, kids of like the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Like this movie was just on every year. It was like an annual thing you watch just like a Rudolph or the Grinch. I see, I see. And this was in November, so I mean, uh, not necessarily close to a holiday. It's after Halloween, before Thanksgiving. Yeah, and I think that's an appropriate time to play it. Like, I mean, you know, so people grew up with this, they knew it. And that's why you see, like, a bunch of, like, Wizard of Oz memorabilia in places like Gatlinburg. Like, I remember there was, like, some sort of weird, like, Wizard of Oz store there. That sounds like some and, Gatlinburg stuff, honestly. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, uh, you can skip Gatlinburg. That's okay. Uh, it's um, worth going to once. Just to eat pancakes. That is true. Uh, but Pigeon Forge is a little bit better if you're doing the Tennessee. If you're going to Tennessee and you're not going to Nashville, fuck you. I was um, going to say, Nashville and Chattanooga are the, the, the move. That's what you got to do. The Chattanooga Aquarium is bomb. Anyway, um, the it was first released on home media in the 1970s as a Super 8 and then on video cassette in 1980. Okay, I mean, when were cassettes a thing? Like, when did that start? Um, In the 70s, late 70s. Uh, Betamax okay. and videotape were, like, kind of fighting it out. And then I think video cassette ended up, like, kind of just you know vhs like it just kind of took over betamax kind of like uh when um blu-ray players came out it was blu-ray and hd dvd right and, uh hd dvd kind of fell to the wayside and blu-ray became the big thing um and yeah that's about it as far as like the uh like the aftermath of the film like there was there was nothing like pretty huge there was never like any big revelations about what happened like a lot of the stuff that happened on set was actually pretty well documented mm -hmm. and uh was out to the public and you know people knew about what happened on the set and you know the people that were involved seemed to not you know they weren't exactly a fan of those things happening to them but they held no ill will really right yeah the only other like, revelations no, no had ever, to do with the no, apocalypse exactly and no one ever sued anybody over anything strange so that's cool um speaking of the uh the like the northern part of the south um there is a wizard of oz theme park Huh. It, it's now defunct, pretty much. Like, it, it's only open, I think, like, uh, for a week out of the year, and they sell, like, you know, Wizard of Oz merchandise there. I, I think there might be a ride or two, but it's mainly, like, a like a character meet-and-greet type thing, kind of like a, like, you know, like those, um when you're going up into the mountains in the south, like, they'll have, like, Santa's uh, Workshop or something like that. It's kind of like that, where it's, like, there's, like, a little mm -hmm. ride and, like, that kind of shit. You got, like, a Sea and Feed Five Live Bears. Exactly. 
exactly exactly right. or like it's just like two dead bears and three really big black dogs exactly exactly that that's what it is it's a little more thought out than that but um a lot it's a very popular place for people to uh, trespass apparently like people love going and taking pictures of like the decrepit wizard of oz land <laughs> When was this thing started? Was this like a 50s thing? I, I believe it was like the 80s or the 90s. Like oh, it, so this it wasn't, pretty recent. It, was, it wasn't open very long. Not, not like full time open very long. Like it, it was popular when it first opened and then like not very much. Uh, my girlfriend actually has pictures of her at this theme park as a child. I need to go. We, we should take an go? information podcast field trip to Ozland. We, we or should land take of Oz. to the land of Oz. Uh, probably easier for me to get to than you. I think i think this might be like five hours from me yeah it's more like 48 <laughs> for me i i would not suggest coming out here just to go to Ozland. i think you'll be very disappointed oh what if i just spent like a week on facebook hyping up this trip be like i am so excited for my cross-country road trip to go to land of oz north carolina i i mean i would expect that from you but i think you will find yourself disappointed mm. I mean, how much debauchery could you possibly get up to? Like, do they have a bar? Um, you know what, John? You should see if you can become a vendor for, like, their, uh, you know, week-long excursion. Ooh, okay, okay. You, you could serve that we're not in Kansas anymore. Hey, perfect. I could do that. Uh, I could do, um... An Osmopolitan? Uh, yeah, Osmopolitan. I could do uh, Flying Monkey Piss. Um, flying Monkey Piss? Yeah, is it just the, the blue motherfucker? Yeah, pretty much. I could do the, the Tin Man Oil. <laughs> it, oh, that could be a beer. That could be like a stout. Ooh, all right. I mean, it comes in an oil can. Dude, that's perfect. Perfect marketing. The people just get sloshed in Land of Oz. <laughs> Here, you'll drink the day away in the very old land of <clears throat> Oz. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> Okay, as far as other weird shit, um, I know that you were particularly interested in it, and it's a, it's a phenomenon called Dark Side of the Rainbow? Right, so you can match up the movie to uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And it, it kind of works. It, it yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't work the whole time. Like, don't believe the hype. It's it's really only a thing to do if you're super stoned. It's about as good as Blart Side of the Mall, which is a similar concept with Paul Blart Mall Cop. I... We have to move on. I don't no, want to it, talk about it, that it's anymore. A real thing. It's a real thing. I, I hate that it's a real thing. I absolutely hate it. Um, And and here's just some extra, like, little tidbits I hope you enjoy. So the coat that Professor Marvel wears in the beginning is actually L. Frank Baum's coat. Huh. Which is pretty cool. So the author of the film, you know, someone, an actor, was wearing a coat that L. Frank Baum had previously owned. And it actually wasn't even on purpose. They found it at, like, a thrift store. Interesting. Wait, no. <laughs> They bought his actual coat at a thrift store. Yes. To use as a movie prop. Yes. How did they know it was his? Did he own up to it? They didn't. They didn't. They they found his name like on the tag or something. Oh my god. This is a hoax. This is not no, real. No, it's fu it no, it's real. It's absolutely real. Look, Blart side of the mall, legit. This fake. Fake news. <laughs> it's not fake news. It's real. It happened. His oh wife confirmed god. it. Um, alright. <laughs> maybe one that will not infuriate you, but maybe disgust you. Um, the horse of many colors of the green horse that we alluded to earlier in the episode was Colored with gelatin. Ah. Which is just kind of beyond fucked up. 
Yeah, it's like uh, it's like making someone like a foundation makeup of like ground up bones. Exactly, like it's like ground up human bones. It's, yeah, it, just I don't think anyone thought that through. Um, that's not fun. It's not funny. Just gross. You know what's crazy though? We'll get upset about this, but we're not gonna think twice about putting cheese on a hamburger. Um, do you have a problem with that? Think about it. The cow makes the cheese. We make oh, the beef from true. cows, and then we put the cheese on the cow meat and eat it i mean it's kind of, but that's kind of fucked up in like a like a fun way kind of like eating like a chicken biscuit with egg on it yeah that's also fucked up <laughs> but it tastes good though. like it, it tastes right like it feels right it's kind of yeah, like they, eating like it's a little bit of old it's a little bit of new kind of like a wedding you know something new something <sighs> borrowed they're adjacent flavors because they come from the same place <laughs> exactly <sighs> um <laughs> And just to close this out, um, just so that you can know that everybody on this film probably got some sort of health condition, um, asbestos was used for the snow in the poppy field scene. Amazing. I just, I love this, like, radium and, like, aluminum dust and fucking copper makeup and asbestos snow. (laughs) It's just, God, old Hollywood is fantastic. I'd like to think they didn't know, but someone probably knew. Someone had to have known. Someone had to have known that this was not a good idea, and they did it anyway. All right, so I think we're I think we're good to close the book on the Wizard of Oz. Um, John, now knowing some of the more like finer notes of the film, do you have some sort of new appreciation for it? I do. I, I think that this is um, maybe like a showcase of the time and like how cinema was progressing. Uh, obviously, Technicolor was a big thing. Um, it was like a musical. It was like a drama. It was like it was all kinds of stuff, and that was not not something I'm used to seeing out of movies back then. There was a full-scale production exactly all righty so let's let's go into a uh, a new segment to to finish out our episode we are going to go into zach and john's big trailer hoedown wherein we will watch a trailer for a new movie and we will discuss it a little bit um so right. john my selection for this week is a movie due out in february and it's a remake of the invisible man Ooh. Starring Elizabeth Moss, who uh, you might know from Mad Men. Have not seen any episodes of Mad Men. Okay, well, you might know her face anyway. Um, All right, so we are going to be right back. We're going to watch the trailer, and you should too. And we will discuss it when we get back. So all right. basically, it's a movie about um a guy doing things that, if he were not invisible, would be a continual felony. Yes, so, like, you know, torturing his girlfriend, being, you know, pretty much just a general asshole yeah nude is is, is what it seems like it it seems like what the movie 50 shades of gray should have been how do you figure that like it should have been like her seeing that he's an asshole him killing himself and then coming or supposedly killing himself and then becoming invisible and stalking her like if this was 50 shades of gray i'd be like i believe the hype but now that i know that it's like an invisible man remake i'm like "Eh." i'm not i'm i'm not here for it i think it's gonna be stupid the the trailer is very nicely cut though like it it, it holds a lot of tension yeah it looks great i mean how could it not look great there's like a man who you know is nude but you can't see being nude running around like attacking people setting stuff on fire like exactly it's it's a no-brainer it's a no closer it's a, exactly like it's definitely gonna 
I think it's definitely going to get some, you know, I, I think I think it'll do well at the box office. I think people want to see things like this. Yeah. So I, I think it'll do well. I don't think it'll be a good movie, though. Just for, just seeing the preview and also knowing that it's coming out in February. It was supposed to come out sometime like later this year and then they switched it to February, which is like never a good sign. It usually means it's going to be pretty fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of worried about the Cyberpunk 2077 release for that reason as well. Um, Games are different. Games could come out at any time of the year because people buy them no matter what like getting people into the movie theaters in like the colder months it's kind of hard because a lot of people don't want to you know like it might be snowing where they are so you know they kind of kind of got to put something like exploitive out like this is very exploitive this is very like a uh it almost has like a me too kind of like undertone to it interesting like it like it seems to me like it's almost like a it's almost like revenge porn right it's almost. like you're being attacked by a nude man that's invisible and nobody thinks he exists but really you're just being accosted by a man that basically just has his dick out ruining your life exactly and so that's that's the kind of person that i see going to see this and there's nothing wrong with that like if you were excited about this movie please don't make me like talk you out of it like i think if you enjoy a movie even if like most people or critics don't enjoy it that is fine like what matters is you enjoyed it. right but me as for me like i mean i guess like if i had to gauge interest for myself in this it would be like a very like lukewarm it'd be probably like like a three like if i think it could be swayed by good reviews like if someone says if someone i know says it's good or you know like critics are saying that it's pretty good like i might go check it out but it's also like a um it was supposed to be part of like a the mummy you know like the mummy that came out with a uh, tom cruise oh it's yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah. and that it's supposed to be part of that cinematic universe so I'm like, oh, uh, so am I supposed am I supposed to be rooting for the Invisible Man because you're kind of making him horrible? I don't want to I don't want to even think about this guy. I mean, even I though I know think, people like this exist, I don't think that the Invisible Man was ever like a hero. No, no, no. I mean, none of the monsters are heroes, but you still kind of root for them a little bit in a way. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody wants Jeffrey to you know find happiness. Everybody wants Jeffrey to find happiness. Uh, see our episode on uh, Frankenstein if you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know it's just like at least with the monster movies like most of them like uh, the wolfman he was like a sympathetic character almost frankenstein is a sympathetic character i believe the invisible man is also kind of a sympathetic character uh-huh um th this character from what they're showing in the previews is completely unsympathetic like you cannot sympathize with this person he is truly a monster uh maybe he's and... the one that you wish you were you know who we are when nobody's watching or nobody can watch and uh in his case it's just running around nude just nude just just nude. shirt no pants like I'm Donald Duck. He doesn't even have the shirt on. He would just oh, be a floating shirt. Oh, he's a monster then. Yeah, of course. <laughs> if you're not um, going to Donald Duck it around. If you're not going to Donald Duck it around, at least have the decency to put pants on. Don't just go completely nude. That's psych. You wear shoes. Be nude with shoes and a visor and play golf. That's what Florida's for. Go to Florida. See, I feel like, I feel like that's more terrifying. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to bring this episode to a close. Uh, John, do you have anything else to say? not really um go find out more about the uh the turmoil in munchkin land uh they're going through a really hard time a bit of a civil war you know uh, mob justice they're hanging munchkins in the background um it, it's it's no good over there they need they need our help they need our patreon support please donate microtransactions to help the munchkins yeah they can only accept <laughs> microcurrency <laughs> it's smaller than a bitcoin anyway yeah. <laughs> all right that's gonna be it for uh for your inflammation uh i'm zach and i'm john go watch a new movie this week guys thanks for thanks for listening
upon her arrival, she watches a witch. I did it again. She watches a witch? What the fuck? Okay. (laughs) She watches a witch fuck herself. (laughs) Green chick gets smashed. Green chick gets smashed. All right. Take it back. Okay. Hang on. There's an ad playing. All right. How fucked up is it that they make you watch an ad for an ad? Yeah, that's pretty terrible, actually. Like, I legitimately cannot believe that this is the world that we live in. They should just give the studio money for me watching the trailer. Anyway. I'm nude. She's nude. You're nude. And we're all nude. I'm nude. Da-ba-dee-da-ba-die. Da-ba-dee-da-ba-die. Da-ba-dee-da-ba-die.